patreon.com slash duckfeedtv Out! For those fireballs, hot beat city is taking your call suffering Duckfeedtv The Duck, it's Heartbeat City with Cozy Snugglefield. Cause somebody out there feels lonely, and we're here to help. Welcome to Heartbeat City. I'm your host, Cozy Snugglefield. With you, as always, we're taking your calls, healing your hearts, taking your letters. Today in the studio, I'm joined by podcaster Brayton Cameron. Brayton, how are you doing? Hello. I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing well myself. It's a uh, it's a beautiful day here in Heartbeat City. Um, did you... Uh, how, was, how was traffic? Did you have any kind of problem getting to the studio? No. Uh, no problem. I followed your directions. I took Las Palmas to Colorado and then Colorado to Pico. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, some construction actually recently cleared up, so I'm glad that, uh, that used to not be the fastest way, and now it is. Mm-hmm. So, glad that that worked out for you. Um, yeah, let's go ahead, and uh, we got three letters this episode, and okay. uh, go ahead and get started here with the first one. So, my spouse is pretty asexual 80% of the time, their own description, and only going through small phases of feeling frisky. It's been this way our entire relationship, except for maybe the first few months before they told me, and I'm okay with that. I've adjusted from being a very sexual person to being completely okay with this and happy in our relationship. The problem is that when sexy time does roll around, it's usually been so long that we don't really know each other's bodies very well, and it can be disappointing on both ends. Okay, but not great. We tell each other what we want, but it lacks the intensity that comes from familiarity. Our relationship is great otherwise. Any advice would be great. Thank you. Uh, so, Brayden, what are, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, that's a tough, tough call. Um, yeah, my thought is uh, communication is always the key to everything, right? Uh, even even when you know you tell each other what you want, maybe it's not in the moment or or or, or whatnot that you're quite getting your point across. There's a lot of ways that people can be embarrassed about that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, as well, especially if you're coming from someone who is. Um, maybe not as interested in being frisky or is on the lower spectrum of, of being sexual as opposed to someone who is maybe uh, highly sexual or hypersexual, um, that might be some shyness involved. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first thought too. Uh, in, in kind of getting past this is that even if everyone is great kind of on paper, um, you know, I understand this idea of it feeling a little bit like you're restarting. Yeah. You know, because that, that kind of lack of familiarity and lack of intensity that can come with that is a lot of times the way that like sexual relationships that I'm in start. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you know, you don't know 
And, uh, you know, I always try to use my words, but, uh, there is, there can be kind of a difference to that. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest, you know, if I were to throw out an idea and I, you know, again, it's just an idea. I take it or, or leave it as you, as you will. Uh, non-sexual physical contact, um, increasing that I think could lend to more intimacy when it comes to, uh, each other's bodies. Uh, a little mm-hmm. bit more understanding, uh, you know, talking about massages, light touching, petting, things like that. I was actually just about to bring that up, is that uh, that familiarity has kind of two parts. Like one of it is knowing the sexual response, but part of it, if there is that shyness or just discomfort with it in general, um, just being around each other's bodies and familiar in non-sexual ways mm-hmm. um, might help. And that might be something, you know, if you have this... Uh, this kind of, uh, and this, this is not a damning phrase, this is a good thing, this compromise in the relationship in terms of two people's kind of sex drives, uh, mm-hmm. there, um, that you're fine with, uh, you, you can't ask somebody to, to make time to do something they don't want to do, but you could fi- make time for these other kinds of like body familiarity things. Mm-hmm. Like this might be like work, you know? Yeah. Like asking somebody like, hey, you know what? We have a schedule, you know, like tonight is a night we're going to like, we're going to cuddle around naked uh, in a non-sexual way uh, and give each other back rubs. Yeah. Like while we listen to a podcast or listen to the radio or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you don't feel like it at the time, but that is kind of putting in the work for that. And it's not violating anyone's kind of comfort level. It's not asking someone to be sexual when they're not. Uh, this is just that kind of physicality and and uh, touch and such, um, right. you know, that might help with that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this could be another situation where, uh, I don't know how often you talk about love languages, where some people are physical and other people mm-hmm. are verbal and things like that, where there might be a bit of a mismatch in that uh, as well, uh, which is something that you could talk about and figure out how to, to work around. Yeah. Can you uh, can you talk a little bit about that concept just to, just to refresh our listeners' memory? Sure. I'm not a super expert on course, but uh, basically it is the way that you express or uh, take in love from another human being or the preferred method that you do it. And some people are very physical people. Other people like to tell you that they love you. Other people like to do things for you, like, you know, uh, do favors or whatnot. There's uh, gift giving is also a love language. Can uh, can we consider that? Um, and there's, I believe, another one that I can't think of. Right yeah, the, the mysterious fifth. <laughs> love language the um yeah that that's that's about what i know about it as well uh and i'm sure we brought it up on the show but i don't think we've talked about it explicitly but that's a great point um is that if words aren't doing it there might be a mismatch with that mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm very like and nobody you don't just fit into one of those categories and that's what you are you yeah. know most people derive some kind of like pleasure or satisfaction from all of those things mm-hmm. um but i i personally speaking personally i'm a very verbal person um, you know, I like being, being told, you know, that, uh, and this, this is not just specifically love, but also in, in terms of like sex and physicality, like I like hearing words and I use words. Um, and I've been with people where there's a mismatch where they are just quiet and they don't want to talk yeah. uh, during it. And if that's the case, you might need to find another way. Now, obviously, um, some of that is kind of stretching, uh, mm-hmm. things a little bit, like it's a little bit hard to think about how gift giving could fit into that, but it could like, if here is a massage oil, you know, here's, sure. here's something that, you know, uh, here is another, you know, more NC 17, uh, uh, you know, implement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's like, when, when you want this, when you're ready, I am really excited 
about this and that kind of demonstrates enthusiasm right. uh, that you have. And for me, and this may not be true for everyone, but for me, like enthusiasm is a real loop. Like one person being enthusiastic will make me more enthusiastic and then mm-hmm. it will kind of feed in on itself. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, do we have any kind of wrap up thoughts uh, for this, this writer? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I just, I, I think it, yeah, uh, you're off to a good start. Um, clearly you're in a good relationship and that is, you're talking and these are mm-hmm. all good things and it's just, uh, going a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Like just trying to get to the, this does not feel like an insurmountable problem, mm-hmm. you know, to me, like, uh, it is, uh, even if it does feel like you have to find, you know, a, a lot of times I feel like the way to getting kind of good sex is through doing it a lot. And, you know, it, this is on a slower time scale than that, but it doesn't mean that you can't get there. Yeah. It's going to require some kind of points in between. Dear Cozy, I've been with my partner for a number of years. Over the course of our relationship, she has come to terms with the fact that she is a biromantic asexual. I'm a straight sexual guy, but our relationship has gone well for years. We com- communicate pretty well and have a compromise in the relationship where we both have been pretty happy with our sexual situation. My needs are met, but not at the cost of her comfort. However, she does express semi-frequently that she's nervous that I will become dissatisfied and leave her for somebody who is sexual. I have occasionally had the same fear, but I've always told her in response that I would communicate this with her if I was unhappy with our situation. Recently, we had a conversation like this. I was feeling a bit like I wasn't completely satisfied in our relationship sexually, and we talked about it. The conversation went pretty well, and I left feeling like we had an understanding and that we were both happy in the direction things were going. We've had a similar, we've had similar conversations in the past, and it's been okay. However, it feels to me like the sex we have, uh, had since then has not been very good for either of us. It feels that there's still a barrier between us. I even confirmed with her that she had no lingering issues. Any advice on how to proceed? Sex is not the most important part of our relationship, and I don't want it to cause a schism. It's possible that communication and compromise won't lead to a sexual relationship that either of us are fully satisfied with, but neither of us want to be the, the one that causes the death of our relationship. If we are sexually incompatible, do you have any suggestions on how we can still maintain a romantic relationship? It is worth noting that we are both monogamous. Yeah, uh, also a uh, kind of a spicy meatball, uh, this one. Right. Yeah. Um, it seems, uh, honestly, it seems kind of similar to, to what we were talking about, uh, on that episode of Teenage Dirtbags, uh, mm-hmm. weirdly enough, where it is, is the idea of, of one person being hypersexual and the other person being, uh, afraid of it. And, um, that can cause a rift. Absolutely. That can be very difficult for people to, to get over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple little pieces of this, I think, that we need to kind of unpack, like, kind of bit by bit. Yeah. You know, because there's, there's a couple different questions contained in this this question. And let's work from the bottom up. Okay. Uh, kind of. Because the the first, you know, one piece of advice that you could, you know, I'm glad that uh, and this is signed Ace of Hearts. Um, very clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that um, a lot of times, I think, in these sorts of situations, um, one person, like, there is kind of a... a Pact made for one person to be able to go outside the relationship uh, for this. Yeah. Um, so for other listeners who are not as strictly monogamous, who are in a similar situation, that is an option. Right. Um, that wouldn't work for me, and I'm you know I'm not in this situation, but I also I would feel weird about that. So I understand if that feels weird and is off the table. Um, 
but as far as if, if you maintaining a really a romantic relationship when you are sexually incompatible, I think is maybe not something that can work. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. But to, to me, it's that incompatibility, uh, you know, it's up to, it's up to any individual person how far they want to compromise. Uh, but if someone is just saying, you know, we, you know, I just don't, you know, one person's needs just aren't being met. That's not a, a stable foundation to kind of move forward, I think. Uh, yeah, I could see where you're coming from. Um, I, coming from the opposite side on this, uh, or perhaps I'm, um, I'm more identifying with the, the partner of rather than the ace of hearts mm-hmm. in this case. Uh, when you say something like sex is not the most important thing in the relationship and you don't want it to cause a schism, uh, but you are worried about that actually being the end of the relationship, it seems like perhaps it is more important than at least one of you is indicating. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the most important part to be extremely important. Right. And it is a thing that sometimes it just uh, doesn't work out. Uh, and a fear that someone is not satisfying you sexually and that you are concerned that uh, that that person will leave because of your inability to satisfy them sexually, that that's not a fear that's just going to go away. Uh, that's something that's going to linger on even if, you know, perhaps they're not saying that it doesn't. Uh, it is something they're going to think about every time that they're engaged sexually. Mm-hmm. Every every time this person's not in the mood, it's going to feel a little bit like that. That's going to ding that insecurity bell. Yeah. You know, on both that's, sides, I think, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I guess it's worth talking about, I'm not trying to change the subject of this, but that specific fear is not uh, confined to couples where one partner is sexual and the other one is less so. Right. You know, that this is something that can happen in all kinds of relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Like that specific insecurity. And I say that just to make this person feel a little bit less alone. You know, like mm-hmm. that, that's a very common um, kind of fear. But I do think that uh, there might be some work to do on this as far as figuring out, um, you know, taking a good kind of hard look at how compatible you actually are mm-hmm. uh, with this. Because one thing about compromise that I think is kind of tricky is that uh, – when you plan for a relationship that's going to have compromise, you need to be, uh, give yourself very wide kind of margins because compromise, uh, you, you can say like, I, I'd be great. Uh, I'd be fine doing this for a year, you know, but what about year two, year yeah. three, like time continues to go on. These things have to be cumulative or end up being cumulative, mm. you know? So something that seems fine now, maybe won't feel fine kind of down the road. And this maybe sounds a little bit like that's what's happening. Uh, just in terms of, you know, the, the person who wrote the letter, um, saying that they have had this feeling of maybe that they would seek, you know, seek outside the, go outside the relationship, like not cheat, but end the relationship, Yeah, you know, and that these conversations continue to happen. And one has happened recently, uh, might mean that that kind of pressure, uh, might be kind of building, you know? Yeah. It's, um, I think there, there are other options as well. Like sex doesn't always have to be. Uh, two individuals engaging in intercourse. Um, and it may be just uh, broadening the definition of what you consider sex, where it could just be uh, assisted masturbation or, or, uh, you know, something that involves, uh, toys or just having another person present, um, could potentially be satisfactory to the more sexual individual than, uh, than yeah. nothing at all. Absolutely, yeah. That's I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's that's a huge, 
a huge point, right? Is that uh, it might be the kind of thing, something that we we tend to think of with relationships, and this thing we talked about before on this show is that like they have to be purely one to one transactional, you know, two sides of a scale that are perfectly balanced, yeah. uh, and that's never the case. Uh, and it can be that sometimes this person who is not interested in sex, uh, you know, you never should do anything you're uncomfortable with as far as rounding up to having sex. But asking somebody to like whisper in your ear while you masturbate is not a huge ask, mm-hmm. you know, or, or something like that. Um, and I think that that might be there might be some room for some additional compromise if you if you kind of think outside the box. Right. You know, a Absolutely. Bit. Um, um Right. Uh, I, I was, I, I, yeah, to, to, not to go off into too much of a rant. I'm very much against the idea of reciprocation. I think that that's like a, a false motivation that you, um, in concept is good. It's kind of like the difference between the golden rule and the platinum rule, where the golden rule is uh, do unto others as they would have, you know, do unto you, and the platinum rule is do unto others as they would like to be done unto. Mm. Um, so the idea of, of, Almost starting this idea of obligation because a sexual act is performed, I think, can cause a lot of anxiety and, and issues with people. For, for sure. And it, it, when I talk about there, it not needing to be like a one-to-one balance, that's kind of what I mean. At the same time, though, within – I think people tend to kind of simplify to, to – you know, just kind of reciprocating because it's the easiest way of saying uh, I have needs and I am working to fulfill your needs – but I also have needs, and part of being in a relationship is you caring enough about my needs to try to fulfill those as well. Right. You know? So, like, that doesn't have to – to your point is that doesn't have to look like I go down on you and then you go down on me. Mm-hmm. You know, that can be any number of expressions of those needs. The important thing is that both parties – you know, I, I bring this up a lot on the show, but, like, I think communism is, like, a beautiful rule for a relationship, which is, like, to each according to their needs and from each according to their abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you sublimate your needs consistently. Right. You know, either like in that, uh, in kind of rejecting that like rec- reciprocity, um, you know, that doesn't mean you don't get to get what you want you know, or mm-hmm. what you need. Like that, that still, ha- that still has to happen. And your partner should care about that. A good relationship, your partner cares about that and will work for that within the bounds of whatever makes them comfortable. Right. And that's why I think that it might be, you know, again, time to kind of take a look at this and see if it's doing okay. Like I know that, you know, the writer says that everything's okay. Um, but this is, this is a big, this is, can be a big problem. You know, um, have you, have you ever had any experience with like a, a, a long-term relationship with a, with a, a serious mismatch? Uh, I personally haven't. Um, I mean, I've certainly heard stories. Another, friend of mine told the story i think you were there during during it talking about their partner who was a hypersexual and uh, they even you know went to uh, a sort of singles club if you will um so that that person could go engage in, in the sexual activity uh while they just kind of hung hung out and like ate mm-hmm. um, uh, really fancy food but it does become a very expensive thing to do that um so that can be a, a problem for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, but it is it is an option. I don't know how long that how well that worked out in the long term, but that was something that you know when people are starting to figure out their own sexuality and 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 whatnot that there's going to be a lot of changing. Mm-hmm. And and that's the tricky thing if you are strictly monogamous, mm-hmm. you know, because that person in an anecdote was not. Yeah, 
you know, if they, if they went to, uh, so that is, that's, uh, I mean, I, I hate to have no advice. Like there, you know, there's some advice with this, which I think is widening that kind of boundaries mm-hmm. of, of what sex can constitute. Um, you know, but other than that, I do think that this can be kind of an issue would be, yeah. would be my, my take from it. And then the second kind of part of the question, the other little bit in there was that, uh, after you've had this conversation, it feels like maybe there's some lingering bad feelings, um, that are causing sex to feel weird. Um, I don't know how long it's, how long that lasts. So if that's, you know, the, the first couple times you have sex, uh, after this conversation, I think that's pretty normal. If that continues, uh, and there either is kind of unaired grievances or somebody is uncomfortable, even though they're saying they're, they're, they're comfortable. That's also something that I think needs to kind of be brought to a head. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think relationships can, can last and, and be good without pretty close to 100% openness. Yeah. And it's, it's very difficult to make a call on something like this where we only have one side of the issue and absolutely you know, we don't have perfect knowledge of everything. So, uh, it, uh, you know, just keep talking. Yeah. Keep, keep talking. And maybe that nervousness, like, you know, if, if it, everything does work out and you do find a way to make this, uh, incompatibility, which sounds damning, but isn't really, you know, this, this compromise, if you find a way to make this compromise work, um, that nervousness that she feels that she might, that you, that you, that you might leave, um, or they feel that, that you might leave, uh, might just be part of their relationship. You know, I don't think anybody ever gets to like being a hundred percent secure. And even when that does happen, people who are a hundred percent secure get dumped. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that security, security is always kind of an illusion. Like you can, you know, you can only weather forecast for so long, you know, it's not, it's yeah. not a, any kind of relationship is a temporary agreement. It's not a binding con- contract forever. I'm somebody who has recently come to terms with the fact that I am a romantic asexual. I'm getting somewhat hung up on one thing, though. At what point in a relationship should I bring up the fact that sex just isn't something that's on the table for me? Part of me feels like it should be as early as possible so that the relationship isn't developing under false pretenses and a decision of whether this can work for everyone can be made before too many attachments are made. Another part of me worries that this might come off as extremely presumptuous, especially considering I'm a guy mostly interested in dating women. Thank you for any advice you can give. Signed, sexless in the city. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, as someone who's an ace, uh, hi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, personally, I bring it up immediately. Whenever I go on, even, you know, I've been using dating sites when I was dating. Uh, and I would, uh, it was on my profile and I would always bring it up 
before we even met. Um, the problem that I discovered with this, and and it's uh, it feels somewhat manipulative in a sense, is that a lot of people I've met seem to be uh, willing to go on that first date and then are just like, well, I did the first date. That doesn't make me a terrible person, but I'm like, not, I don't understand what asexuality is and I'm confused. And I don't want to have anything more to do with you. Um, yeah. Can I, do you mind if I step in and clarify that please a little bit? I, sorry. I just, I, I know what you mean because you and I have talked about it uh, before, but the idea is somebody who knows that somebody who is asexual is not really for them, but still goes on that first date despite fully knowing. Right. You know, exactly. So it's, it's not a question of the person who in this uh, partnership who is ace wasting the other person's time. It's the person who is ace having their time wasted by somebody who is who is sexual. Yeah. And, I, you know, I can go back on how cynical I am about it or not. But um, it, there is there is some time wasting about it. But at the same time, I feel like uh, like there are so few ace people that I almost feel like a bit of an ambassador, like. And that I'm kind of going out there and explaining what being ace is um, mm-hmm. to them. And then maybe they're spreading it out to their friends. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I personally think it, as soon as possible so that people aren't getting the wrong idea of, of what you're all about and, and uh, getting their hopes up, I guess. Yeah, I, I think as soon as possible is the right answer. Like, And I, and I say that as somebody who's not ace, but as somebody who would want to know. You know, and it, it, it doesn't, I understand about feeling presumptuous and especially feeling presumptuous as, uh, you know, since I go on dating sites and I look at women, I see women who are ace, uh, and I understand there's an angle as a guy where like, you don't want to say something like that because it can feel a little bit like, like almost like a line, mm-hmm. you know, like just like, oh, just so you know, I'm not like those other guys. I'm not just trying to get into your pants, you know, and that's, a. Uh, so you can see reluctance about that because the presumption then is just like, oh, like that is definitely going to happen. You're going to want it. Yeah. But no, I, I think that like as adults, I think that uh, sex and talk about sex is enough, uh, is open enough and is just kind of considered to be, you know, even if it doesn't end up being part of the relationship uh, as it won't be in in this case, like it's still something that has to be, it's, it's a part of relationships in general mm-hmm. as far as something that needs to be kind of discussed. Yeah. You know, it's on the table to talk about. So I think being as absolutely open as possible is your number, like number one priority. Right. Right. Uh, I think, you know, if you, if you, I feel like if you're bi, you would do the same thing. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think, and I, you know, and for, well, perhaps you wouldn't because I know there's a lot of prejudice against bi people uh, mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, that's a tough, that's maybe a tougher call. There's not as much prejudice against ace, just people that just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think think that I've seen some like online, like some prejudice about it, Uh, even if it is just people who who don't understand it. But there's that way that ignorance can kind of um, go can push into like kind of cruelty. Yeah. You know, there's only so many times you need to say that you don't get it before it sounds like a judgment. Yeah. You know, I've seen that, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I guess like the the other thing too um, that I want to bring up is this is similar to another question we had that's very similar to this uh, early on, which is that um, we assume and I project that this is a dating site, like this person is on dating sites. Sure. Um, maybe they're not though. Maybe they're talking about uh, bars. Yeah. Um, in in which case, um, I feel like uh, because. There's usually a good move, like a good 
moment. And I, you know, you can never tell exactly when this is going to happen. And the older you get, the more obvious it is that, uh, when things are starting to transition from just being like either getting to know someone and to possibly dating that person. And, mm -hmm. uh, if you're just meeting someone, you don't have to bring it up for the first time. It's like, you know, I wouldn't tell my colleagues at work that I'm these cause it doesn't, matter it, it it has very little bearing on your logistic skills yeah I, possibly it's not like you're poly yeah. yeah if you're poly it would be it'd be on your resume yeah exactly you know? it has yeah. to be there um <laughs> but um yeah and i think i think if the person is becoming interested in you and they're you know they're interested like they might want to date you it's something that you should probably bring up casually yeah mm -hmm. and it can it can be even early on even so much as uh you know, there's ways you can subtly bring this up, even if it doesn't seem like dating is going to be on the table, you know? Um, I don't know what those are, but I feel like there's ways, I think that that's the way the wrestling is like, you don't want to just be like, Hey, just so you know, if it's somebody who is kind of flirting with you, mm -hmm. you know, at a party, cause they could be too, you know, at that point. And I don't know. I mean, have you, do you know any way to kind of express this or hint at this without just kind of just saying it? Uh, yeah, the best way to bring it up is like, usually in casual conversation, someone will say like, oh, isn't that person sexy or something? And just be like, I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> well, I think one, one thing that, that specifically, uh, I think that you have to be a little bit like, I think that's a good time just to kind of say it. Yeah. Cause if you just say, I don't know what that means. I think it has the cadence of a joke. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the way that I do it. Like, yeah, well, I don't, I know because you, you and I are friends and for a long time I didn't know this about you because I thought you were joking in oh. those situations. <laughs> so, so, so for most of our friendship, I had, I had no idea cause I just thought it was a joke. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that, and that, I think that will get better as more people know about this. Like society mm -hmm. will become more accepting. And now I try not to make those assumptions largely because of our friendship. Uh, and I think that hopefully with enough time, fewer people will take that as a joke and maybe think it means something, Yeah, you know, cause it won't seem as outlandish, you know, mm -hmm. as, as more people are introduced to the idea. But yeah, if somebody is talking about, you know, reading the, the super hunks, like if somebody, uh, you know, says something like, yo man, like, you know, that's so, uh, which of the superhero so Chris's is your yes. favorite. Which is the hottest superhero Chris, you know, or like, man, that scene in, in Ragnarok, where, where Jeff Goldblum's birthday, uh, <laughs> ship started having that fun sex party. And you could just be like, yeah, I didn't really do anything for a man, actually. I, I don't remember you know? that part at all. <laughs> I, I think that there's something, there's some kind of line that refers to it. Like, oh no, he talks about having orgies in there. Oh yeah. And then also, you know, yeah. So the, uh, and you could just be like, yeah, that didn't do anything for me at all. I, I'm, I'm actually ace. Yeah. I think that's like a kind of a fun casual way to bring it up. And you could bring it up with somebody who you don't, you know, where dating is not explicitly on the table yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, there's also, uh, you could just flag. Um, you can, you can wear a, I believe it's a black ring on your middle finger, uh, is a way to flag that you're ace. Um, if people pick up on that sort of a thing, mm -hmm. uh, you can, you can wear your, your flag colors, which I do on occasion. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And even if they don't pick up on the meaning, like they don't know the coding, they could ask about it. Yeah. And that's a great situation too, where someone's like, oh, that's a cool ring. And you'd be like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's, it's actually the, like the ace ring. Yeah. You know, and then they'll be like, what's ace? And then you can, you can be a brand ambassador. Yeah. Uh, like, like, you know, like, right. The, um, so <laughs> like doing, those are all great ideas, you know, and I recommend doing them in addition to just disclosing, mm -hmm. you know, um, just because I, I think that there's not, this is not as, you know, both sides as maybe it is presented. I think this is really just something that people need to know. 
mm-hmm. you know. And and to the people who who do or are doing the thing to you, Brayton, where they're just kind of like they knew, but they just kind of did it anyway. Yeah. Like I've seen people on online dating sites who I think are extremely attractive and seem really really cool, mm-hmm. and and considered that. And I'd never done it, but I've thought just like before, like man, like it's not like I want to change them. It's just more like I would enjoy the date part of this. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that's a good time to make new friends. Right. You know, if, if that's something you're in the market for. So, um, thanks everybody for writing in. Uh, if you have questions for me and my guests, uh, you can always call in at one five Oh two 69 H beat. You can also write in at Gary at duckfeed.tv. Uh, Brayden, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? Oh, uh, just uh, the Teenage Dirtbags website, which is uh, teenagedirtbags.co, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Uh, I have a Twitter I don't use, so don't bother. Excellent. Uh, and until next time, keep on feeling. Heartbeat City is intended for advice only and is not responsible for the consequences of following any such advice. If you have questions for Heartbeat City, please call in at 502-69-HBEAT or write in at gary at duckfeed.tv. Heartbeat City is produced by Boxer Kwan and Bryce Salad. Thank you.